back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I'm Scott McNulty, your host, and tonight I am joined by Gene McDonald. Gene, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's super exciting to discuss Discovery. Oh, I know. And uh, you have you appear on a variety of uh, Incomparable podcasts here and there, but tell people uh, a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll just jump right in. Sure. <laughs> sure. I am... Um, well, professionally, I am the community manager for Micro.blog. Um, I'm on the board of App Camp for Girls, and I'm the host of SestraCast, the Orphan Black podcast, which is nothing like Star Trek, but I love <laughs> both shows very much. Uh, well, there are some who say that Discovery is nothing like Star Trek, so let's, let's <laughs> before we jump into, we're going to talk about the fifth episode, we both just watched the fifth episode of Discovery, which is called Choose Your Pain, uh, which uh, it becomes meaningful when you watch the show. Uh, I thought it was perhaps a reference to Star Trek V, but it is not. Uh <laughs> Let us, uh, I want to know, what are your thoughts about Discovery? There are people on the internet who say it isn't Star Trek-y, it doesn't feel like Star Trek, I don't like it, uh, the Orville is more like Star Trek than Discovery is, so w what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I, I like Discovery. I like it more than I thought I would, although it really kind of took to episode three when I saw where it was going mm -hmm. to feel like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting, and I will want to continue to watch. But I do admit that I was kind of hoping for that cozy, here's our ship, here's our people, here's, here's the captain, here's number one, here's the various characters, let's go do things. Um, and this show is not that. No, this this show is kind of taken that uh, and rejected it immediately. <laughs> uh, pretty much, that's what I mean. Jason and I, on our first episode uh, of the Flashcast, talked about how it felt like the first episode of Discovery was kind of the last episode of that series that you just talked about, the USS Sengen. Yes. Uh, would, you know, has had seven series, seven seasons of adventures and, and doing the normal things that we know about. An and awesome now. captain that mm -hmm. we really love. And yeah. And oh, well. And then it's all we changes. Have a weirdo, weirdo <laughs> captain that we're not really sure what to make of. Which it seems like people in Starfleet also don't know what to make of this man. So that makes me feel better. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> because that was yeah. the, the worry. <laughs> I feel like what's happening on the internet for people is that they don't like the uh, USS uh, or, or Star Trek Discovery for a number of reasons, right? And people are allowed not to like things. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like you summed it up perfectly. It's not kind of the cozy Star Trek that we're used to. It is kind of a modern day Star Trek where not everybody, uh, we don't know everyone's motives and everything is not as, you know, black and white as it tends to be in Star Trek. Um, and, and I think that the, the producers cleverly set this show. I know there's a lot of people who are annoyed that it's 10 years before the original series, but I think they set mm -hmm. it in this time period because there is this war that they can explore. And when war happens, you know, people make different choices. Uh, when, when, you know, the Starfleet is not on a war footing, they are clearly explorers. And so we get uh, the things that we always get in Star Trek. Uh, but then mm -hmm. you, you've even seen in Deep Space Nine, there's a war in Deep Space Nine, and things change. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think that's interesting. But I understand people not liking it. 
Yeah, it really is true that um, the people who love Deep Space Nine, as yourself, Scott, Mm -hmm. um, are much more comfortable, I can imagine, with this new Star Trek than those of us who love primarily something like Voyager. So Voyager is the show, basically, you know, when they had Captain Giorgio and First Officer Burnham, that was like Captain Janeway (laughs) and... uh, you know, Borg uh, person. <laughs> no. Seven of nine. No. Seven of nine. Like, Burnham is a lot like seven of a nine. That's what I was realizing, like, in the last week or so, thinking about if you take the two the two of them together, which was, um, she was a, a raised a Vulcan, even though she was a human. And she had... <laughs> The Vulcans and the Borg have some things in common, sadly, which is, <laughs> you know, the, the efficiency and logic, you know, are their thing. And um, Captain Georgiou was trying to um, mentor Burnham in the ways of humanity, which is the the basic, you know, plot line of Captain Janeway and Seven of Nine. That's true. Captain Janeway try, is trying for many seasons to get Seven of Nine to, to reconnect with her human ancestry. And and it seems like George, Captain Georgiou was doing the exact same thing uh, with uh, Burnham. Uh, I think that Captain Janeway uh, seems like was more successful than perhaps Captain <laughs> Well, apparently. <laughs> apparently, because as far as I can remember, Seven of Nine never, like, knocked out the captain <laughs> well, or that's, tried any, like... Yeah, it, it is interesting though because Burnham was wrong in the sense that you shouldn't knock out your captain, but she was right in that what she wanted to do was the right course of action, um, and now she's living with the repercussions. Uh, although I think that in the previous episode uh, of Discovery, there was a lot of uh, people blaming her for the war yes. entirely, solely. It's just her yes. fault for the entire war, which doesn't seem really to make any sense, but. But so here, here's my question, though, is that um, uh, Burnham, I don't think uh, so. We never know if the Vulcan hello would have actually worked. Um, That's true. Probably wouldn't have based on those crazy Klingons on that crazy Klingon ship. <laughs> those crazy they Klingons. wouldn't have cared about that. Well, the Klingons, <laughs> that, that was they were just looking for a reason to start a war. So it's yeah. really the Klingons fault. And I think that no matter what you did, it wouldn't have been the yeah. right choice. Um, so you're right. But I think Burnham, what she did came from a good place, but it just was not a good thing to do. No. Um, no. But she seems to, so she's grappling with this decision that has now kind of set her on this course. And she's trying her darndest now to be the best Starfleet officer that she can be on this new wacky ship that she has ended up on. Uh, and she did not, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, well... She was sentenced to life imprisonment, so I'm pretty sure she never thought she was going to get another chance at this. So uh, she's trying her her darndest in in a tough situation, yeah. um, and that's you know, that's a little bit of what this episode is about. I kind of felt like this episode, and I feel like I say this after every episode, felt mm-hmm. like the most like a Star Trek episode to me, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, <laughs> mostly the swearing. I did not expect the swearing. I was just gonna say. <laughs> Uh, so that came out of nowhere, but I mean uh, that's fine. People swear it's it will not change even yeah. in a utopia. It makes sense. I also was kind of weird that nobody swore. Well, they're on network TV, so they couldn't. So, um, 
but yeah, it was it was surprising, but not shocking. Although I'm sure that people who are watching uh, or who watched uh, are very upset because apparently, you know, uh, in Star Trek IV, uh, Spock was unfamiliar with vulgar language, so and that's canon, so clearly. Uh. Uh, but you know, also in Star Trek IV, uh, Spock was not all there, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to right. Remember that. No, but I I agree. Like when the word was said twice yes. in a row, the mm. F word, yes. I was like. Oh, oh, okay. Different. I mean, I knew it was a different Star Trek, but there's actually going to be those words. And tonight I was not watching it with my nephew, which up to, up until now, he and I have watched all the episodes together. And I was kind of glad, not that he has never heard that word before, but I, I didn't want him to see me go like, ooh, swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't notice uh, what the rating is on Star Trek Discovery. If they have a rating, I don't even know if they do that because yeah. it's on streaming. So, Oh, wait. Oh, TVMA. So oh, there you go for language ah, and violence. Ah, sure. Well, there you All go. All right. Uh, well, uh, why don't we talk about this episode? Because this is it, sure. it, a couple of things stand out. The swearing, which we've already talked about. Uh, this also introduces uh, Rain Wilson as everyone's favorite scoundrel, Harvey Mudd. <laughs> uh, we also, yeah. this marks the first time that Klingons appear and they don't speak Klingon, thank goodness. Uh, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Wait, but they do speak Klingon, but they don't have subtitles. They speak. I don't. At I least, even like remember part them. of it. Yeah, I, I don't remember. There was like a part, and I was like, I want to know what they just said. And now they don't have subtitles. <laughs> now you you know, just like the the guards coming in. Anyway, whatever. Oh, I right, was right, surprised right. because I, I I thought um, we've had sub, sub subtitles to the up. You know, right, to the eyebrows us with these subtitles. <laughs> And and right now they're not going to tell me what that guard just said. <laughs> oh yeah. When yeah. Anyway, the first like. You know, choose your pain moment. Uh, yes. But, well, all right, I, let's. I, we're getting all out of order here. Oh man, and, that's uh, all right. We're, we, we've engaged direct. the spore drive, so we're going all over the place. But <laughs> I, I imagine they did not include the subtitles for that particular segment because, you know, as an audience, we were supposed to be uh, the prisoners, right? And and and, and yeah. you know, be on their side. And I'm going to assume that Captain Lorca, uh, random Starfleet officer, and uh, Harvey Mudd do not speak Klingon. And so they don't know mm-hmm. what they were saying. Uh, so that's that's my headcanon for why there's yeah. no subtitles there. Uh, but this yeah. is the episode starts uh, with kind of a tour of the uh, USS Discovery, uh, and it, it made yes. me think. <laughs> and they they did it in a way that you knew it was a dream. Uh, and yes. they used like some kind of I don't know the technical term, but it it looked so much like the original series sets with this the with like the 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 um the cafeteria and the the yeah. the, the captain's the chair yeah the, i was like yeah omg that whatever they did they shifted the play or focus or something and it just looked so much like the original series um Turns out it's a dream. Uh, Michael Burnham is uh, dreaming uh, about seeing herself kind of locked into the the spore drive chamber uh, and being used as the the navigator uh, and in great pain. And then she wakes up and you're like, oh, oh, no. So we know what the episode's about, really. It's about the tardigrade <laughs> dying because they are abusing it mm-hmm. for the spore drive. Uh, so that's what that sets up. But then we shift to... Uh, a very impressive-looking starbase, I must say. 
uh, <laughs> which looks uh, much more impressive than uh, any original series Starbase we've ever seen. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I would rather live in that Starbase. And Captain Larka is there <laughs> talking to the admirals, and he's basically uh-huh. saying, I'm super awesome. The spore drive is helping us win the war. Uh, give me more resources, because I'm great. Yeah. And yeah. the admirals are like, hmm. We need to equip all the Starfleet with the sport drive, uh, and you should, you know, calm down what you're doing, because we think the Klingons are catching on. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't did, like that. Did you have the sense at that moment he, that the admirals didn't know about the tardigrade? So, uh, I think they... Well, I don't know if they knew about it or not. Okay. So he was saying, like, yeah, download your schematics, and he's like, yeah, no problem, but... Uh, nobody said, but, and yeah, can you find us a tardigrade? Because uh, they didn't mention it there. Um, I think they did later. Later though, that where, came up. Yeah, yeah, they talk about the Admiral says that they have everybody, every star f- fleet person is looking for tardigraves. Uh, everybody, you know, looking under the bed, looking at corners. <laughs> it's uh, a big game of Pokemon Go. That's the, right. The, <laughs> for, for the Federation. Uh, and this is what, and this is. So, Gene and I were talking before we started recording, and I said that uh, thus far, we have only seen Captain Lorca on the Discovery, where he's kind of in charge, uh, and mm-hmm. everyone has, you know, either respect or begrudging respect because he's the captain. Uh, and now we see him on a starbase. He's in a room full of admirals. And it was clear to me that the admirals didn't seem all that at ease with his methods. Uh, but they view mm-hmm. him kind of as a necessary evil in... And yeah. maybe evil is uh, the wrong word. But he's a tool. He's a war... He's a weapon. And they they are approaching him cautiously. Mm-hmm. Which is good, I think. Because, like I say, this is a set in the war. And you need people who will do willing to do things because you want to win the war. Uh, but Starfleet itself shouldn't be... Uh, as eager to uh, adopt these uh, methods across the board, which, uh, I mean, they will, mm-hmm. but it's nice that they're not super eager to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's when we find out, uh, I think that the the Admiral and Captain Lorca are friends, and they had yeah. some kind of relationship. We don't really get any kind of no. backstory. Uh, but she basically says, get your eyes fixed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he says no. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then this yeah. is this is all so that he is on the starbase. It's unclear to me why he's on a starbase very far away from the discovery, uh, but he has to take a shuttle back. Uh, and, yeah. it, and it is clear because they want to get him on a Klingon vessel. That's why he's on this. Uh, <laughs> ship. So the admirals yeah. basically say, "We think the Klingons are cat- catching on that the discovery is our secret weapon." Uh, Lorca's like, "Who cares? I want to keep doing what I'm doing." And they basically order him not to. He's not a big fan of that. Uh, but then he goes onto his little shuttle. He leaves. And almost immediately, it feels like uh, a Klingon war cruiser decloaks and yeah. <laughs> uh, scoops him up. Tractors them. Tractors the thing in. There's there's a guy. One other. Well, I guess it's the shuttle um, pilot. And I'm like, dead. That guy's dead. Um, you know, <laughs> and he was. He was. He was quickly uh, he, dispatched. Yeah, <laughs> and they take they take Lorca, and they, he's next thing you know, he's in uh, Klingon prison cell. He's in a Klingon prison cell with uh, some random Starfleet officer, and yes, who, 
do we have here? But Harvey Mudd. Har- Harcourt. Har- Harry. Harry. Harry Mudd, actually. Not Harvey. I don't know Har- who Harvey but is. But Harcourt. Harcourt. I forget his middle Harcourt name. Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Mudd. Yes, yeah. as played by Rain Wilson. Yeah, which I think is a great choice. I mean, if for a 21st century Harry Mudd should, you know, the the original Mudd was great for that Star Trek series, the original series, but he was like all, you know, of that era, you know, <laughs> kind of comedian, like, you know, uh, devil may care, um, funny guy with the, with the mustache all twisted up and Rain Wilson with a big beard and, and everything like, you know, he, he fits, um, for this series. And I know a lot of people, myself included, were like mud. They're bringing back mud of everything they could bring back, you know, for discovery, but they, it it fits actually. And I think, um, you know, he's going to be on multiple episodes, even though we don't know that that's not exactly a spoiler alert, but, um, and I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, when when they first announced that uh, Rain Wilson was going to play Harv, uh, Harry Mudd, I don't know why I keep thinking his name is Harvey Mudd. Because Harvey Harvey Mudd is a college in ah, California. That is why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll just call him Fenton <laughs> Harcourt. That is, he calls himself <laughs> Harcourt all the time. Right. Um, I thought to myself, I think that's weird casting, uh, and I, I don't see how it's going to work. But Rain Wilson made me a believer because he uh, I watched this with my wife and I turned to her and I said I think Rain Wilson was a really good choice because he has uh, Harry Mudd is kind of this over the top kind of campy guy uh, who's this mm-hmm. you know kind of rapscallion um, and certainly in the original series he was like chewing the cedary and doing all kinds mm-hmm. of and acting like hugely uh, which does not really work with the, the tone of the discovery. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to rein it back a little bit. Haha, <laughs> get it, rain. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> still, still need to have that, like, that twinkle, that, that scoundrel twinkle, and yeah. kind of a little bit of the, the hamminess. And I think Ray Wilson got it perfectly right there, because it's clear yeah. that Harry Mudd is selfish. He's in this only for selfish. himself. Very selfish. Yeah, that, that's his his number one personality trait, and I think you know, as most people, I think like myself, know Rain Wilson from The Office, mm-hmm. where he was quite self absorbed. Uh, this works. It's true. Yes, uh, you see a little Dwight Schrute in Harry Mudd. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Harry Mudd is is immediately scheming uh, on how he can get out. Uh, although it doesn't end well for Harry Mudd, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. So Lorca's there. He's upset, uh, clearly, uh, and then in walk some Klingons, and uh, they say, "Choose your pain." Uh, to good old Harry Mudd, and he points to the other uh, Starfleet officer who seems to have been a little worse for wear. Uh, and they cling mm-hmm. on, beat him up, <laughs> and then drag him out, apparently. I don't know where they take him to. No, him. they kill him. They I, kill him right there. That that one they kill. Oh, yeah. That I feel dead. like, because uh, uh, everybody, like, um, gets a grimace, including Lorca. Like, they kind of just pop him, and there's blood everywhere. But, yeah. But you say, the Klingons say, choose your pain, but we had no idea um, because there were no subtitles. But, you know, 
filling in the blanks. You're right. That's what they said. Yes. Well, I think they said it in English, but it didn't sound... The first time they said it, I wasn't quite sure what they said. Oh. But I think they said it in English. Um, oh. They just said it in yeah, accent. That's possible. Accented. Klingon accented <laughs> English. Uh, and then Harry explains that it was... They come in and say, choose your pain. Uh, to put pits prisoners against one each other another because you can't choose yourself i guess but i think you can but uh, it doesn't really matter yeah and there are a lot of people who die in, in this episode uh spoiler alert a lot of klingons also die uh yes and so well let's talk about the klingons before we go out because this is the first time you've been on yeah. what, what, what do you think of the look the feel the klingons i'm not a fan of the new klingon look only because i feel like all of that makeup and costuming makes it harder to get to the true Klingon. Like, I mean, what I think of, of course, is true Klingon, you know, uh, sensibility, which is there. Yes, the, if you read the subtitles, you know, they're aggressive and they're like, yes, let's unite and remain Klingon and all this. But if you look at their faces, that, that, I feel like that makeup just doesn't move enough. And so they're often just like, sort of like there's the lips are just sort of like going like, you know, and that bugs me. It just bugs me. I like, I mean, but I'm, I I am still willing to, to give them the benefit of the doubt. I sort of like the idea of the female Klingons looking not that different from the male Klingons and not having like long hair and like shortcut, you know, outfits and everything. Oh, so yes. lots of Klingon cleavage. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's no, there's no cleavage. They're just, you know, if you, you, they look very similar to the men and, um, and they behave similarly to the men. They do. So that I like that part. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I have some favorite Klingons in Star Trek, and these Klingons are not. Um, <laughs> I don't see any of them, like, working their way into that list. I, I can see that. I, I totally get the, the, the problem some people have uh, with the emoting being hard under all that makeup. Uh, but uh, I, I like the look, and uh, I would like them to not speak Klingon all the time. And this episode, they don't speak Klingon <laughs> all the time. So it was a, mm -hmm. an upgrade, I think. Uh, we'll see if the next episode, I'm sure, will involve Klingons, and we'll see if they slip back Yeah. Speaking Klingonese uh, exclusively, <laughs> uh, and so this episode so, two two yeah. kind of parts to it, right? There's the the stuff happening on Discovery and the stuff happening on the Klingon ship, and uh, we can deal with it. The episode hops back and forth, but uh, and I guess we should hop back and forth. So back to the Discovery <laughs> uh, and Captain uh, acting Captain Saru, acting just, Captain Saru, yes. Yeah has been informed that he is acting captain and that Captain Lorca has been uh, captured and uh, he needs to find him. Uh, captain Saru, acting Captain Saru, is uh, up to the task, I think, uh, although he, yes. is, he is not super confident in his own abilities. No, no, that's the first time I think we've ever seen a captain go and say, like, check the databases <laughs> on how captains act and let me know when I'm diverging from that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Which, time to replace you. 
<laughs> I thought that was fantastic, though. Uh, he says he has the, the computer to, and this is also a little bit of fan service as well. He's like, display the most decorated captains in Starfleet. Oh, and yes. So and it. who was on it? There's only one name we would know, and he was there. Archer. Uh, well, there are two names that we would know, Captain Archer and Christopher oh, wait, Pike. Sorry. Uh, Christ- oh, Pike was on there. Who okay. was uh, I, also I, 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 Captain of the Enterprise. And Captain Georgiou was yes. on there as well. Uh, yes, I, mean, I saw that. There was somebody else, but I don't think we knew who yeah. the person was. Uh, somebody <laughs> I was just me like, <laughs> Archer's going to be on this list. I just know he's going to be on this list. And maybe he's rightfully so, but boy, uh, you know, as you know, I said, at least Lorca is no Captain Archer. Um, when <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing I like about Discovery. That's true. I, I'm not a fan of Captain Archer, but we, according to the canon, he becomes an admiral. He's he's highly decorated. So hooray for Captain Archer. Uh, but Saru, mm-hmm. yes, he's he doesn't really quite know what to do. Well, that's not true. He he knows what to do. He just is afraid that he's not going to do it correctly, which I think is something that. Certainly, I can relate to not being mm-hmm. uh, certain of yourself and your abilities, uh, but that is not something mm-hmm. that we see very often in uh, highly decorated Starfleet captains. Uh, as the computer <laughs> points out, they are usually, uh, you know, tactical geniuses, <laughs> sure of themselves, <laughs> and all these things right. that Saru doesn't seem to be. Uh, and he, as you said, he creates a little protocol to have the the computer basically grade him on what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, which I and then uh, you know it's uh, the the computer says like why, which I thought was weird for the computer to say that, but whatever. And he said, well, there's one who, you know, there's an element here that makes me second guess myself. And the computer says, well, get rid of that element. <laughs> That's what a real captain would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that element, yes. of course, is is Michael Burnham, and he cannot get rid of her, so he has to deal with her. Uh, and while this is happening, Michael Burnham is very concerned that the the uh, what we call it tardigrave is going to die the next time they use it. Uh, so she she asks the doctor to check out the tardigrave. I can't remember the doctor's name. He's been in this is the second episode, but oh, I know. What is his name? It's I don't even know. Like I look, I looked something up, and it just said like the doctor, and I know he's not called that, but. Um, and he's not the chief but, medical officer. He's just a doctor. No, he, he's a... And and can I just say, white just seems like a bad color <laughs> for any uniform. And certainly in sick bay, where I'm sure your uniform doesn't stay pristine. Yes, it seems like an odd choice. But uh, nurses were, wear white a lot, too, so I guess... Right, that's, back that's, in the olden days. In the olden days, they did. Now they kind of wear blue or whatever they want, seemingly. But, yeah, um, they get to wear, yeah, they don't have to wear those old nurse ratchet the, uniforms. The old scrubs. Um, uh, yes, that's true. So, But I don't know his name, but he he has a name. <laughs> He's an important character, and I apologize for not knowing his name. But he uh, checks out the thing. He agrees with Burnham that it seems like it's under a lot of duress, and perhaps it should not be used again. And he also thinks, and this is interesting, he thinks it might be sentient. Uh, yeah. Which, which, you know, causes a lot of more trouble with, you know, you shouldn't be using a sentient being to uh, power your spore drive uh, without right. asking it. Um, without asking. <laughs> right. I mean, how is it not sentient? Like, that's why I was surprised when that question came up, because it's like, well, it has feels pain. We can see that. And it, uh, you know, it's like, 
I don't know. It just seems to act like a sentient being to me, but whatever. Well, I guess it all depends it, on your, your definition of sentience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like a, a farm animal that you could just, you know, yoke to uh, the the the... This is where I am going to show that I don't know anything about farm animals. Uh, it's the <laughs> it's like plow. Getting there you go. Excited to hear you say something about <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, but yeah, so everyone's concerned. So she, uh, Burnham, goes to Saru as one does because uh, he's the acting captain, and she's like, "Yo, captain, uh, I don't think we should use the spore drive until we can figure out a replacement." And the captain says, "I hear what you're saying." But uh, too bad. We need to find Captain Lorca, and the only way to do that yeah. is spore drive. So we'll figure it out later. Yes, he he says a very specific thing there, um, and he is very. I guess it's logical what he says because you know they do need to find the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very heartless, and a sp- <laughs> again, like Saru, I I feel like he's a prey animal you know, person, whatever, he, you know, he, his, um, that's one of the things about him that's his defining characteristic is, is that he, on his planet, he's prey. Um, and yet he has zero, uh, sympathy for this other animal, um, that well, is being just like taken care of by the, yeah. I think he, he has sympathy, but he is also has a duty to the captain to yeah. save the captain. And he thinks that, and this, uh, he talks to Burnham, uh, later in the episode, uh, at the end, I believe. And he talks about how he was not angry at, he's not, he doesn't hate her. He's angry with her mm-hmm. because she basically yeah. stole his opportunity to serve yes. under Captain Georgiou and understand how to be a captain. Uh, and when he was thrust into this position without the proper, Trading uh, and experience, as from his viewpoint, uh, yeah. and he blames Burnham for that. Uh, and right. she, she says, "Well, you did all right. You did well." So I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's yeah. The, we're jumping around, but I think that he he is just trying to get his captain back. And if they yeah. need to, you know, jump around a couple more times, that's what they're going to do. Mm. Now, Burnham, uh, not really super great at following orders. <laughs> That's uh, that's we, very well established. That's right. And so she she goes off into engineering, uh, and she doesn't tell anybody that Saru told her not to do this. Uh, right. So she tells Stamets and uh, Tilly, right? It's Tilly uh, that she thinks yeah. that the the tart grave is going to die if they try to use it again, uh, or or she says it's it's functional. Its functionality is diminished every time we do it. So if we do it again, it might be harm. Maybe we can figure out a way to not use him. And Stamets mm-hmm. uh, likes the challenge, so you know they try to work on figuring it out. And this is when uh, Tilly drops the f bomb, uh, <laughs> and everybody at Stamets yeah. then drops it again. Uh, so that was a little, Up. a little surprising. It uh, was. Well, it reminded me that uh, this is what I pay ten dollars a month for to hear. <laughs> they can do this. These words without being bleeped out. <laughs> That's right. If this was on CBS broadcast, they would not have written that script like that. Um, and uh, so they they do some uh, you know 
they basically sum up how the the spore drive works uh, in a in, in a super expositionally scene, uh, and then yes, that uh, was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have done without that. Uh, and then they basically sum up the problem, and the solution is that the uh, the tardigrade can what horizontally adapt DNA or something, and uh, yeah. there's only one other species in Starfleet databanks that could do this mm-hmm. and it's the homo sapiens uh and, and tilly there's a funny scene where tilly's like oh do you want me to try to break into the daystrom institute's uh databases right and right. Uh, that's when saru walks in and says absolutely not <laughs> yeah uh which is funny. yeah that was a good one and uh they so they figure it out saru basically tells them to stop you're going to use the tart grave uh, I, you know, I, I ordered Burnham not to do this, and she disregarded my order. So you go to your room, Michael Burnham, and think about what you've done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, you, uh, Stamets, you know, prepare the the sport drive, uh, and then we switch to another scene where um, he, the Doctor, and Stamets are on the bridge, telling Saru that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm use the charred grave because mm-hmm. Saru the doctor once again says I think it's sentient and I think we could yeah. do harm to it and Saru says we'll prepare the charred grave and uh, the doctor says I refuse to do it uh, and Saru says I was not talking to you doctor uh, Stabitz I hope that you will follow my instructions and he does Yeah, uh, and I thought it was a very well, interesting scene yeah actually so I did look it up it's Dr. Cruz is Dr. his Cruz. name there you go I'm sorry his, Dr. Cruz and, yeah, and he's it's actually played by an uh, actor named Wilson Cruz. Oh. Anyway, there's a cute cute article, and I'm going to send you the link of um, him and Anthony Rapp. So the two of them, you know, talking about their their relationship on Discovery, yes, but, which is what we find out at the end. Uh, although I think yes. everyone watching may know already, but we'll we'll uh, we'll save it until the end. The, yeah. the now, while all this is happening. Captain Lorca is over on the Klingon ship. Uh, he's uh, Harvey uh, Harry Mudd. He's talking to Harry Mudd. We meet Stuart, which is Harry Mudd's little pet arachnid. Uh, mm-hmm. We uh, Captain Lorca finds another Starfleet officer hiding behind like a, 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 mm-hmm. a cabinet or something. I don't know where he was. Well, I think they dumped him in there. You know, like somebody new came in, like because the. To, they need that that three threesome to yeah, to yeah. play choose your pain <laughs> play everybody's favorite <laughs> Klingon game choose your pain uh, yeah and so he finds him that Starfleet officer is like OMG I'm so glad you're a captain tell me your story yeah. uh, Lorca doesn't really tell a story uh, Harry Mudd knows a little bit about Lorca and this is when we find out that how Lorca got his eyes damaged was uh, his previous ship was. Uh, all hands uh, were killed on his previous ship, except for one, and that would be him himself. Like yeah. Himself. He he uh, and he. You know, uh, Mud basically says, "Well, you let everybody die," uh, and Lorca says, uh, "Slight correction: I killed everybody <laughs> yeah. uh, because I did not want them to fall into the hands of the Klingons because I knew what the Klingons would do to them." Uh, which gives you, I feel like, with Lorca, we're getting more and more glimpses into what yes. has made Lorca the man that he is. Um, pretty, pretty sure there's no captain we are familiar with uh, has done something like that. No, I feel like all the other captains that we're familiar with would uh, have figured out a way not to kill their entire crew. <laughs> yes. 
That is the, the, the you know, the divergent path. Uh, when you see Kirk, he would think of a way to not kill his crew. Lorca's like, well, clearly the only way is to kill everybody. Except for myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's where we find out he, uh, he damaged his eyes in that battle, and he refuses to get them fixed so that he can carry that yeah. pain with him in, you know, it can fuel his uh. hatred of the Klingons. Uh, which I think is, I mean, it's not nice, but I think it's a nice character note um, to explain. It's pretty him. Captain ha- Ahab, so. Yes. Lorca, I think they, they are not setting up Lorca to be someone we should really like. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, he gets tortured by a lady Klingon. On, or, or, well, she's like the captain of the ship. She's the captain, yeah. She's not just a, some lady Klingon. <laughs> lady Klingon. Uh, <laughs> But she's a lady. Have Klingon. some respect. She's Captain Lady Klingon. I apologize. I don't know. I'm sure they say her name, but I don't remember what it is. Um, and she basically well, she speaks English, so hooray! Yes. <laughs> and, she, well, and he compliments her on her English. He does. And she said, "I've been a spy because and, and knowing these languages is very helpful." Yes, which is a, a callback to the previous episode, right? Where she, so we know that she is House McCoy or whatever it is. Not McCoy, but there's the oh, house. She the same? Well, she's not the same Klingon from from Vox. She's not Vox like number two. She is, is she? not no. Laurel, but I think no. I am connecting. She's the dots. from the same house. She's oh yeah, right. House Laurel, right, right. Mackay, which is also the house of conniving and exactly and lying and. And cheating and fooling around with young um, officers from the Starfleet, apparently. Apparently, so, she yeah. likes the human guy. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I made a note and then I'm like, oh, I don't even want to mention this. But then I thought, well, in, you know, in service of Star Trek fandom, um, maybe it's something I didn't know, but when uh, Lorca is, is taunting her, and says, like, you, you know, you have to even have, like, you're, you know, being serviced by one of our Starfleet officers, like, and he basically says, how does that work? We don't even have enough organs. And I'm like, what? what did we just learn something about Klingon anatomy that I I was never discussed before? I, th- I think we did. I don't know. At that same moment. I, I, I was like, whoa. Okay. Yep, okay, and so yeah. he, she gets some points on him, he gets some points on her, she turns up the lights, he feels bad because he has uh, light sensitivity. Oh, yes. Let's just uh, say that uh, a homage to Clockwork Orange right there. Yes. Uh, pulling his, his eyelids open, and that mm-hmm. was like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah I that was pretty cre- creepy. I don't like uh, eye things, and also earlier in the episode, he ha- we find out he has to inject medicine directly into yes. his eyeball, which is gross, <laughs> and I did not need to see that. <laughs> I have a thing with eyes, people, is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> and so Lorca, he gets tortured a little bit. Uh, they beat up the other Starfleet guy. Uh, we find out that uh, Stuart is uh, has a recording device on him, or a transmitting device, uh, and right. Stuart being Mud's pet. Uh, and we find out Mud has been feeding information to the Klingons, uh, and uh, Lorca, not a big fan of that. And so Lorca and the Starfleet officer hatch plan, I guess, telepathically amongst each other uh, to beat up the next two guards that come in. Uh, Not only do they beat them up, they kill them uh, and take their their weapons and stage and break. Uh, They make a break for it, but they don't take Harry Mudd with them. 
and he is very sad. No. And uh, this is when, if you didn't know that Harry Mudd is going to be in more than one episode, you will find out now because he yells out, "You haven't seen the last of me!" I've seen the last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, okay, that's a little bit on the nose, but <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, we see right. a whole bunch of Klingons get killed. <laughs> Which I was right. surprised about, uh, and they, they apparently are like little uh, spearmint pinatas because they get hit and then they just kind of blow up in like a green fuzz, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then the the lady, the captain, comes out and you think, uh oh, she's going to kill the Starfleet dude. Uh, in a tense scene, they do a little fisticuffs and then uh, Lorca shoots her, but it seems like he misses her, but then it ricochets and hits her face, uh, which I think oh, will yeah. be important later because she's not dead, uh, but she's been disfigured. So I think she's going to come back. She's not going to be happy. Yeah. No. And that's how we'll know who she is. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then uh, they steal a raider and they escape, uh, but they don't know where they're escaping to. And they're being chased by a bunch of other Klingon raiders. Uh, then we switch back to the Discovery uh, and uh, Captain, acting Captain Saru. They have found where they think Lorca is. Uh, and he says, "Let's. are you ready, Stamets, for the jump? And this is before this. We had found out they created a little serum that you could inject into a human so that the human could be... Uh, the navigator instead of the the tetagrave, uh, or tetagrave, however they say it. Uh, oh wait, no, I, I'm <laughs> I'm mixing it up. So they they use the the tetagrave to get to Klingon space, but then it uh, dehydrates itself. <laughs> yes, that was uh, really interesting, actually, because you know, like these tardigrades, and you know, in real world, in the real mm-hmm. world, that's what they they can do. That they can be like dried out and like not you know totally inert for for long long periods of time and uh, come back get like rehydrated and whatever so and that's what they that's what it did and this is that's the scene where soru asked the doctor to you know basically rehydrate it and crack it open and the doctor's like crack uh, it open <laughs> the doctor's like that's not how any yeah. of this works uh and stamets is like i'll totally do it and then off he goes to engineering, and Saru says, are we ready, Stabitz, for a jump? Because they find Lorca, they get Lorca on, everybody's happy. Uh, and Stabitz says, yes, we're prepared. Or I think he says, uh, is the tardigrave prepared? Uh, and Stabitz says something like, yes, we're prepared. But he doesn't actually answer mm. the question. And then you think, yeah. as a clever person, aha, he has injected himself with that that uh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> I was out. surprised by that. Yeah. He did. Uh, and you think he's dead, but he's not. They successfully jump out. Lorca is saved. Uh, everybody runs down to engineering. It does seem like almost everybody from the bridge runs down to engineering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems weird. And Saru goes into the, the little chamber, and uh, Stabitz is there with four puncture wounds, and it's seemingly dead. Uh, but then, you know, there's a beat, and he does the, you know, deep breath in, and... Uh, he just uh, starts to laugh, which I thought was fed to the perfect way to react to that, because uh, this is kind of like the culmination of his research. He has seen uh, the entire mitochondrial network. <laughs> uh, he's very excited. And he's not yeah. dead, so that's great. <laughs> and Saru yeah. is happy because he's not dead. What do you think of uh, Stamets as a character? Um, I feel like he's a little bit one note right now, and he could like to 
tonight's episode, I thought, okay, they're making him, they're giving him some wiggle room now. But, you know, it was just the obnoxious nerd, the first episode. And, you know, he is like, um, I, I like the actor and everything. And I like the idea, but I think it will, it, you know, it will um, improve over time. I think you're right. Uh, and I think they, they, they've certainly given him more to do in this episode. So he yeah. does a selfless I was, act. I, I was totally surprised, actually, that it was him. I expected it to be Burnham, if anybody, that, had sneaked uh, out of her quarters and like gotten into the thing, you know, because that's what she would do. Um, or even Lily, you know, because she's, she's trying to be brave. And mm-hmm. uh, But Stamets has been like, I'm not part of this you know i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm signed on to for this at all except you know to do my science so so i was impressed actually yeah i think they they and certainly the last scene gives him a little bit more but we'll get to that because there's one scene before that yeah. i think that's where uh so he's he's not dead uh hooray uh and then saru and uh burnham have this scene where he basically says uh we already talked about it he says i i'm not yeah. i don't hate you i'm angry with you because you stole my opportunity from me um which i thought was a really great scene and perhaps my favorite scene my favorite scene in the entire episode was that scene um yeah because i really like saru and i like michael burnham as well so and i like their interaction um so kudos to all of them in that scene all two mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> then we end with uh stabitz and uh dr cruz uh, brushing their teeth, and this is when, you, <laughs> if you were not reading uh, countless articles about Discovery before Discovery came out, this is when you realize that they are in a relationship uh, with one another, yeah. which uh, I'm sure will anger some people, but uh, it shouldn't. And uh, I, I hopefully more people are angry uh, because we finally get to see uh, Star Trek bathroom, and we don't see a lot of it. Um <laughs> Uh, but we see, well, I guess in Enterprise, we saw a bathroom on a starship, so this is not the first canonical yeah. starship bathroom. Uh, this may be the first canonical starship toothbrush, though. They were using yes, weird that's toothbrushes. True. That's true. Um, <laughs> these are the things that matter to me. <laughs> well, yeah. Dental yes, hygiene, very important. Uh, but they have this nice little scene where, you know, uh, Stabitz says, I f- his, Cruz is just continually scanning him because he, he doesn't think that, uh, well, Stabitz has just injected himself with random DNA. It's not great. Yeah. Um, and he says, are you sure you feel fine? And Stabitz is like, I feel fine. Uh, I knew I had to do what I did because I knew if I had killed the animal, you would have never spoken to me again. And uh, the doctor says, oh, you finally listened to me. And Stavis is like, no, you said it with your face. I didn't have to listen to you, <laughs> which I thought was really good. Uh, and I, be- I I bought their relationship, even though, you know, Stavis yes. is what I call a prickly pear. Uh, but they, they seem to, they have the the rapport down. I felt like they have been in a relationship for a long time. They've had countless conversations like this. Uh, and they, they have to deal with one another. So I thought they did that really well. Mm-hmm. And, and the episode ends. This may be, this ended very, very, I felt like this ending was such a Star Trek ending. Uh, because he says, you know, I'm fine. And uh, Cruz leaves and uh, Stamets is there brushing his teeth in the mirror uh, and then he, you know, he looks at himself in the mirror and then he walks out of, uh, and the shot reverses and we see him walking out of the, the bathroom. We see the mirror behind him 
and he is still in the still mirror, still there, yeah, <laughs> facing his back. That and then we see I had him to walk like, away. <laughs> yeah, I had to immediately like re- you know rewind a few seconds and say, "Did I see what I just thought I saw?" Because that that was a very, um, I think even you know for I think for Star Trek. I mean, that was more like a Battlestar Galactica ending, like of like, uh-oh, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, like that kind of ending. If they had ended end it with the previous scene, which was setting the tardigrade free. Oh, so, well, that's true. You know, which we, we sort of skipped over that. I but, skipped over it. you know, that um, Saru told Burnham, save the life of the tardigrade. And she said, okay. And then she said, I think what it needs to be is free. And so let's give it some of these mycelium spores and then like shoot it out the airlock. <laughs> and Which I felt to And it, then it, yeah. And it totally rehydrated. And, and you were like, yay. Tart- I kind of wish the tardigrade was then like, okay, I'll come back now and help you some more. <laughs> I'll be your friend. But, I'll be uh, your crew member. Uh, but he's like, no, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that would have been, an, that could have been the ending. That's and true. And I think like, you're ah. right. That would have been a very Star Trek ending. But I feel like this is, the ending they chose was a modern Star Trek ending because it was <laughs> still, still kind of the, the unknown. We don't know why it's happening. Um, but it sets you up for the next episode. Yeah. You really want to know what's going on. Yeah. What could be going on with him? I mean, I guess like the DNA, like why would, why would he still be in the mirror? Like, that would be, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I, I could see some other weird things happening, but that was like more like a um, interdimensional thing. Maybe that's what it is. So. Yeah, it could be. Or he, he's somehow affecting time or something. I don't know. Or that time. we're going to go into the mirror universe, literally. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Oh, boy. But yeah. then, that is the end of the episode. That is the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery. The fifth new episode of Star Trek in a decade. Uh, choose your pain. What did you think of it, uh, Gene? Um, I liked it. It was a good, good episode. It had all the right um, bits of of uh, science and danger and heroism and you know scoundrelism and uh, moved our characters along. I mean, one of the things is I don't know if you realize, but the guy that they picked up from the Klingon prison is one of the main characters apparently cuz he's been in the credits Let, uh, oh. what is his name that his name is Ash Tyler is the character Shazad Latif he's oh. like you know if you watch the opening credits he's been in them and I'm like who is this Shazad Latif and when I saw him in the prison I was like ah this must, if this isn't Shazad Latif now I don't know when the guy's ever going to get on the show <laughs> but so I'm curious like he was an interesting, semi-interesting character tonight. I'm curious to see why he's a main character. And because um, I feel a little bit, you know, um, after last week, losing Commander Landry, mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought she was part of the crew. I didn't know that. She, I didn't realize. And, and that made me go back and read the credits again, that she wasn't like one of the team. Like, so... I was 
I was surprised. I mean, not to say she was my favorite character, but she was a semi-interesting character. So, yes, it was. Who knows? <laughs> who knows said, who's going to die? This, this is like Game of Thrones, which I do not watch for that very reason. <laughs> I like to have a pretty good idea of who's going to die. <laughs> oh no! Well, nobody's safe on the USS Discovery. Uh, but I, I assume uh, Ash Tyler is going to become the, the security officer since they have an opening. <laughs> but I, don't, I, I don't know. We'll find out on the next exciting episode of Discovery, which we will discuss on the Flashcast next week. Gene, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. 